0: So today as we get started in this series, you can go ahead and get your Bibles out, get your Bible apps open, Mark 4, Luke 8, that's where we're going to camp out. But I want to give you this thought before we get started that we must always desire to honor, look at these two words, honor and steward God's written word. Have you ever wrote a note to somebody, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was your spouse, and you said, hey, I need you to get this done. Or here's the instructions on how to heat up the dinner. I I made it. It's already in the refrigerator. And you came home and they didn't cook the dinner. That ever happened to you? And you were like, listen, I wrote it down for you. Why didn't you do it? You ever thought about that? God left us a book filled with letters that were written to us instructions on how to live our life. And how many of us actually days and weeks and months go by without us ever cracking a Bible and ever looking into his word? See, we honor God's word by saying, God, your word is higher than me. Your understanding is higher than me. I trust you more than I trust myself. But we steward the written word by caring about it and taking responsibility for once God has shown us something that we actually are going to apply it and follow through with it. You know, the same is not only true with God's written word, but God's spoken word. And in this series, that's really what we've been looking at. See, the word, word, is translated from the original text several different ways. There are several original words in the Greek text that are translated that if you go to John chapter one, in the very beginning it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word that is translated word is the word logos. And that word logos means written word refers to the Bible. But there are other times when the Bible says that the word of God came, and it is the Greek word rhema, which refers to the spoken and expressed word of God. And in this series, we've been focusing on what would it take to steward and listen to the voice of God, but not just be people who could hear him. We've talked about what it would take to, to hear him, God does desire to speak to you, but then to do something with it. Because let me just ask you this question. Imagine that you have a friend and God knows that they need a little bit of encouragement. They're going to have a bad day in two or three days. Y'all know God knows you're going to have a bad day if it's going to happen in two or three days. And he kind of says, hey, you know what? I want to send a card to them and I'm going to send a card. I know that on that day they're going to read out of the Bible. They're going to read this verse. And so what I want to do is I'm going to send, I'm going to speak to your heart and I want you to respond and then write a note to them or to send a text message to them. And it's going to be the exact same verse that they're going to read. And what's going to happen is it's all going to line up. They're going to get this card on the day that they read that passage out of the Bible. But you hear God say that and you go, I think that was the Taco Bell that I ate at lunch. Not real sure that was God. So, what does God do? God asks somebody else, and they listen and they follow through, and what God wants to accomplish is accomplished. But the next time God wants to get a scripture to one of your friends, do you think He's going to come to you? Do you think He's going to come to you? See, we have to be a good steward of God. The Word of God. And let me just talk about stewardship for a moment so we're all kind of on the same page is what I mean with that. Here's the principle of stewardship, that how we manage what we have connects to what we are given. How we manage what we have will connect to what we are given. I mean, we understand this in so many principles, don't we? I mean, I think the most obvious one is, you know, financially, we understand that, that if we take good care of the financial resources that we have, and maybe we do some retirement investment and some savings, we, we generally understand that we'll be taken care of, that how we manage what we have connects to what we begin. But let me just kind of back up a step from that and just talk about what we have. Because stewardship is built on the principle of understanding that you don't own anything. All the money in your bank that is connected to your bank account, it was a gift from God to you. And some of y'all might be saying, but Kevin, I go to work every day and earn that money. I mean, I went to school to learn how to do my job. And now I'm in this job. I trained for it. I deserve it. I go, I work 40 hours a week. I get paid at the end. Can I just submit to you that the fact that you're healthy, that you're gifted and smart enough to do your job, that they are gifts from God. And there are people across the world that are as smart as you, as gifted as you, and as willing to work as hard as you, who don't have the opportunity that you have. No, that money that's in your bank account, it was given to you. Now, you might have responded to God, but it was a gift. How many of you, we're, we're just a few weeks away from having a baby, me and my wife. She, she, I had someone come up this week and they said, <laughs> they said Kevin, I just want to, your wife looks tired. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah, she is tired. She's so close to having that baby. And she's had sinus infections and the flu and everything else that goes along with it. But, you know, she's still excited about having this baby and still enjoying being pregnant. And you want to know why? Because it took us five years to get pregnant the first time. Five years. Because here's the truth. We only have a baby because God gives us a baby. We don't earn one. It's a blessing. Only God can take two living cells that are already given life by him, put them together, and make a life from it. See, what we have, the blessings that we have in life, they've been given. And a steward, instead of an owner, an owner asks the question, what am I going to do with what I have? But a steward asks the question, God, you're the owner. What do you want me to do with what you've given me? Because the principle of stewardship understands that what I do with what I've been given, the way I manage what I've been given, will connect to what I'm given in the future. So I want to be a good steward right now. You may be sitting there, well, what do I manage? What are the things that I'm given, that God has given me, that I have the responsibility to steward right now? It's three things. Your time. You will never be able to add a day to your life. Now, we can, you know, obviously be stupid and subtract some days, you know. <laughs> but we can't add any days. Our time is a gift from God. Number two, our talents. Some of y'all know that, and some of you don't. Some of y'all recognize that there were things that you were born that were innate inside of you. You never had to work to earn them. You've watched other people have to work to earn them. There's some of you that are very disciplined. You just naturally are. You're organized. And you look at people, and they're so disorganized, and you go, I don't see how you can't, because it's just natural. God gave you that gift. And the last thing is treasure. Treasure. Now, a lot of time when we talk about treasure, our time, our talent, and treasure, we talk about financial responsibility and financial stewardship, and obviously, that's a great place to kind of start with it, because God does bless us financially, but he gives us a plan financially to be good stewards of it. What is that? To be generous. God wants us to be givers. He is a giver. He wants us to be a giver. God has given to you, so you give to others. And he puts the standard at that at 10%. So we understand where it kind of starts. This is what generosity looks like. It's not supposed to end there. Which is why there's some of you that are in the room who've made decisions that we're going to give 11% or 12% or 13%. I mean, think about that. I think that this is why Matthew 6, 21 is so important, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And too many times we try to reverse engineer life that way, which is where we say, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. If you'll do what your heart is leading you to do, then you'll do what's right. But the Bible tells us that your heart is deceitful above all things. That actually we should not follow our heart, that our treasure, the things that are valuable in our life, will follow, our heart will follow our decision and how we actually steward those. So this is important, that biblical stewardship will correctly discipline your life so that you can guard your heart. I mean, I think it happens financially for us. When we become generous financially, God begins to protect your heart from selfishness and materialism. Because I thoroughly believe that the antidote to materialism is generosity. And when we step into God's plan, we receive the right kind of biblical discipline that God wants us to have. It protects our heart. So... Today, what we want to talk about is how can we steward one of those treasures? Obviously, there's more treasure than just money. I mean, we, we talk about money, but we know our kids are treasures, right? We love our kids. But God's word is a treasure too. So how do we steward God's word? So the first thing in your notes today is we must steward what we hear. Steward what you hear. Remember stewardship tells us that what we do with what we have connects to what we will be given. What we currently have, what we choose to do with it, the discipline that we have with what we have will connect to what we're given. Jesus shows that in a financial principle in Luke chapter six, where he says this, give and you will receive. Now we talked about this in the series that God's blessings are meant to be held with an open hand, not a closed fist. That if God blesses you and does something to you, he wants to do something through you. All right? So look at what he says. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. Look at this. This is this last statement. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. So if you become stingy and stop being generous, the inlet is going to start to dry up. And I want you to see what he does in Mark chapter 4 because he makes the exact same application to stewardship when we hear God's word. Look at this. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, what little understanding they have will be taken away. Do you see what he's saying? God, if I will listen to you, he says, if you'll listen to me, I will speak to you even more. If you'll listen, then I'll start speaking to you. But if you reject my voice, I'm going to pull it back. And so I think it's a good time in this series just to kind of ask the question, well, how how does God actually speak to us? What What are the ways? So I'm going to give you 10 ways that God speaks to us. If you're taking notes and you're the note taker this here. Many of you are. I'd kind of go ahead and just flip it off. I'm going to give you permission to write while I talk, okay? Because this is going to be a long list. It's 10 things. And I'm going to give you 10 ways that God speaks to us. Number one, God speaks to us through circumstances. God speaks to us through circumstances. You see that in the life of Jonah. You remember the story of Jonah, right? God says, go to Nineveh. He gets on a boat and goes the opposite way. And what happens? God sends a storm, a circumstance. The sailors figure out that the storm's there because of Jonah, and they throw him overseas, right? He's now trapped in the ocean, and God sends a fish to swallow him up. That's a bad circumstance that God spoke through, right? Some of y'all might feel like you're in the belly of a whale right now. I don't know. See, this isn't in my notes, but in, in, um, in Isaiah, the Bible, the Bible says this, Isaiah is recording, hearing the voice of God. He says, God spoke to me with a strong hand. Like, I can remember my mom and dad speaking to me with a strong hand. That ever happened to you when you were a kid, that your parents spoke to you with a strong hand? It happened to me a lot, all right? And sometimes God just got to whoop your butt a little bit, right? He speaks to you through circumstances. Number two, he speaks through counsel, through counsel. All throughout the book of Proverbs, it encourages Proverbs 15, says that in the the counsel of many, there is wisdom. God wants us to seek the counsel of people who are godly, and especially those who have biblical authority in our lives, our pastors and our leaders. Number three, God speaks through peace. God speaks through peace. In Colossians and Philippians, the Bible talks about God's peace. And here's the truth. like God will often lead you into circumstances that are not peaceful, but he will give you peace, his peace, that supersedes our circumstances. We're not supposed to lead our lives based on our own peace. But on his peace, he does speak to us through. Number four, God speaks through people. He still does that. Still uses people. You ever been encouraged by a friend? Almost at that point where you're going to give up and someone called you, someone sent you a text, someone sent you a message. God speaks through people. He does that in Acts 21 with the Apostle Paul and a young man named Agabus. Number five, God speaks through dreams and visions through dreams and visions. Uh, I listed up there Jacob and, and, and Paul. God obviously at several times intersected the life of Jacob and, and spoke to him in dreams and forever altered what his life would look like there are times that God showed up and and, had, and stood right before the Apostle Paul when he was on the road to go slaughter Christians in Damascus. And there, there he was, the, the image of Jesus in front of him. And then there were times, even on his missionary journeys, where the, the Holy Spirit gave him a dream to say, no, you're planning on going this way, but I, don't, I want you to go this way. And God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks, number six, through thoughts. If you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say that sometimes God's voice sounds a lot like our voice. God's voice can sound like our voice. And it happens in Matthew 1 with Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus, where he's praying about this situation where his espoused wife has become pregnant and God speaks to him clearly in his thoughts and he hears in his head the voice of God. God speaks, number seven, through natural manifestations. In Romans 1, the Bible declares that creation declares to us the glory of God. This happens to me every fall when the leaves change colors. Do you realize that the only way that we see the real beauty of a tree is when it dies? And every fall, I'm reminded that real beauty in life only comes when we choose to die to ourselves. It's just naturally there every year. That reminder. God speaks, number eight, or, yeah, number eight, through supernatural manifestations. All right, there's this moment with Moses when he comes upon a bush that's burning but not being consumed, and God speaks to him through the bush. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, a burning fire speak to you. All right, I've, I've never been that drunk, ever. All right, but <laughs> ever. All right, apparently, uh, I mean, this is, this is really, this is a crazy moment right here. For And, and it's a supernatural moment. It's, it's a moment where something that is outside the realm of natural possibility is happening. It happens with a guy named Balaam, where God literally speaks to Balaam through a donkey. I'm just saying, the only time I've ever seen a donkey speak is on Shrek, that's it. I've never experienced that personally. Number nine, God speaks through the Bible. You ever been reading the Bible and you just go, that verse wasn't there? I've read this 10 times and I've never seen that verse before. I'm in like my third year of a challenge that I call the wisdom challenge. And every day I read a chapter out of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So whatever day it is in the, in the month, I just read that. And so it's almost every day I'll go, that verse was not there last month. It was not there. But that's because God speaks through the Bible. And number 10, through a still, small voice. A still, small voice. I love 1 Kings 19, where Elijah hears the voice of God in a whisper. After he's seen earthquakes and fires. And I think that that's why Jesus, when he opens that passage in Mark 4, Jesus says, be careful to what you listen to. Be careful to what you listen to. You know, you ever thought about this, you know, in the Garden of Eden? God set down man, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and there were two voices in the garden that were trying to get their attention and get them to do something. You ever noticed that before? That God set them down and gave them direction. It was clear, but then along came the enemy to speak to them and tempt them to do the one thing that God had said don't do. And as we sit here in this room, Do you realize that there there are voices that are streaming through the air that are around us? I mean, all around you, swirling all around you right now, you have the technology in your hand to pick it up and intercept those voices. Or you get in your car and you tune your radio to the right frequency and you can catch the voice that you wanted to hear which I think Jesus is giving us great wisdom and being careful with what you hear. Have you ever noticed this, that Satan is described as the principality and the power of air? Do you know what it takes to communicate for us? It requires air. Our vocal cords are designed to push air in such a way to create a sound wave that when your ear intercepts it, it can distinguish those waves. I think it may be a little clue as to why there's so much strife and difficulty in our communication. You ever had this happen to you? You get home. If you're a guy, maybe it's a little late. You've been working hard. You know, it's been a long day. And you walk in the door and your wife is preparing a meal. And you say in your mind when you say it, great. When do we eat? And what she hears is, Is this all you've been doing? When's the food ready? That ever happened to y'all? Happens to me all the time. It's somehow in between what I meant to say and what she heard, there's some sort of twisting and turning and inversion, and what I meant to say is not what was heard. That ever happened to you guys? <laughs> yes, somebody. that's me every week. Forgive me, Lord. Right? Um, it happens. And I believe that it is because it is in that simplicity of communication that Satan finds a way to communicate and we hear him. So we've got to be careful of the voices that we listen to. Can I just tell you this, if you're praying over something or seeking God about something and you feel confused, you feel confused, I've been seeking God, I've been praying, I've been trying to listen to God, all of those, and I just, I keep hearing different things. Can I just tell you that you're not listening to God? If you feel confused, you're not hearing God, because look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. It says that our God is not a God of confusion, but peace. And God may ask you to step into a a, a circumstance and a story that is not very peaceful, but you will have peace because he is with you. So the first thing we have to do is we have to steward what we hear. The second thing we must do is steward how we hear, steward how we hear. Luke 8, Jesus is uh, teaching almost the exact same thing, quite a different perspective. Look at what it says. It says, therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. Now, obviously, he's talking about hearing and listening to the voice of God. And so whoever has listened to God the right way, who has received God's word the right way, God says, I'm going to give you more. But whoever rejects the appropriate perspective of addressing God's word, God's like, it may seem like you have something, but even what it seems like you have, it will be taken away. So how do we approach God's word? How do we approach God? Let me, let me just kind of do an exercise with you. I want you to look at this and imagine, if you will, just for a moment that God is speaking and you hear him say to your heart, he says this, I want to use you to influence thousands of people and lead hundreds to repentance. I'm going to say that. Just imagine, if you, if you would, that God is speaking to you right now and God is saying, I want to use you to influence thousands of people and lead hundreds to repentance. If when I said that, you heard that God wants to use you or that God wants to give you influence or that God wants you to lead people, can I tell you that you might not be hearing God the way that you need to? Because if God ever spoke that to you, our hearts need to be humble enough that what we really hear is there are hundreds of people that God wants to reach and see come back to Himself. Because God never wants to elevate you because He knows that your ego can't take it. My ego can't take it. God does want to elevate himself in the image of his son so that all men would come to see him and come to, and if we hear God and we see ourselves in that and we get puffed up in that, we're probably not hearing God the way that we should. Do you know that verse in the scriptures where it says that God will give grace to the humble, but he will oppose the proud? Have you ever heard that before? That's always kind of miffed me a little bit. Like, really, God? Just because I choose to be proud, you're going to oppose me. So I did a little research in that. And actually, there are are military terms in the original language that are being used to describe the way that God postures himself towards each person. And I love the terms that are used because, well, they kind of have the application to be a part of a sport that, that we know and love that we call American football. All right, I used to coach football, so y'all know me. Um, I love the, the kind of application that we see in there. See, when God says that I will give grace to those who are humble, the, the word give grace that's translated, we see it as give grace, is a military term that means to get out and to block. It's almost as if what God is saying is, if you'll run my play, I'll be your fullback. If you'll run my play. If you run my play, I'm going to get out in front of you. I'm going to be the lead blocker. I'm going to lead you up the field. But then it's always been one of those things that I struggled with. So he'll oppose the proud. And literally the military term that's used there is to switch sides. It's as if God says, now, if you decide to run your own play, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to play linebacker for the other team. If you, if you decide you're going, you're going to run your own play, here's, I'm going to go play linebacker on the other, and I'm going to take you down. And I always wondered, God, why would you do that? Why would you want to take me down just for being prideful? And here's why. Because there's an enemy that wants to take you out too. And God knows if he can take you out, if he can knock you down a little bit, then he can be gracious and loving and lead you to redemption. And it won't be the kind of destruction that the enemy would bring. See, we need to hear God's word humbly, humbly. So I would tell you that we must seek to hear God's word with sincere humility and a genuine desire for his name to be celebrated and praised. Now, I remember just a few years ago, we're going to celebrate our fifth birthday this September as a church in it was about seven years that God start, started speaking to me about coming back to Albemarle and planting a church. And I, I'm, This is not even a joke. The first person that I decided to tell that to was a mentor of mine. He has a PhD in church planting. And I love him. He's always been a good friend. So I said, let's go to lunch. We went to this really nice little Thai restaurant. and We sat down. We were both eating. And I said, I feel like God's called me to move back to Albemarle in Stanley County in North Carolina, it's a small town, and plant a church. And he said, well, you can try that, but I just finished my, di- my dissertation, and my thesis is that church planting will never work in small towns. And over and over and over again, and I'm not lying, I would share this vision with people, and they would say, I just don't see how it's gonna work. I mean, I even brought my pastor up here just to see the area, and, and he goes, you know what, Kevin, I just... I just don't know that you can name a church Vortex. People are probably going to think you're like an energy drink or something. (laughs) But I got to this point where I didn't feel like success was ever guaranteed, but I felt like I couldn't fail God by saying no to him. And I didn't really care if I was ever important or honored or known, and I still don't but I do care that we lift up the name of Jesus. Not my name, not the name of our church, but that we lift up the name of Jesus. Because look at what the Bible says in John 12, that when he is lifted up, this is Jesus speaking, I will draw all men to myself. See, that's God's marketing plan. That we exalt Jesus and then God draws people to himself. And when we get to that place where we can humbly hear God, and it's never about my ego, it's not about what kind of honor or reward or any kind of attention I'm going to get, it's all about him, then we're finally hearing God the right way. And number three, to be a good steward of his word, we must respond to what we hear. We must respond to what we hear. Now, I've had plenty of people come to me and say, Kevin, I'd love to hear God like you heard him. I'd love to. I just want to hear God speak to me and kind of invite me in this next big adventure. But I just, I don't hear that. God's not speaking to me that way. God doesn't speak to me like he does to you. And I'm, I'm just going to call, call a mess on that right there. Okay. Cause God has spoken to you. And I believe what's happened far too often is that God's spoken to you and you said, no. God said, I want you to do this. And you said, God, God, I don't believe that's for me. Or God said, hey, hey, I want you to send this card or this note. And you said, no, that's probably just my Taco Bell from lunch. And God said, no, I want you, here's, I want you to actually go have this conversation with your friend over here. And you said, no, God, I'm just scared. You don't know me. And all the times that you keep saying no to God, God's never being able to build a platform of obedience and progressively grow you in the gifts and talents that it would take. See, I want you to see this. This is a very important principle in stewardship. It comes in Luke 16, Jesus speaking in verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones now when I was working at the church that I worked at in South Carolina my mom called me one day and y'all know it's kind of a big deal when your mom calls you said, Kevin I just need to talk to you because normally just hey how you doing and so I said okay mom what's going on and she said I've been praying for you and I felt like God gave me a word for you so okay well what was it and she said I want you to to know that if you'll be faithful in the little things, I believe God has big things for you. Now I want you to understand that at that time, I was working in a church that only had 85 people that went to it. I was a youth pastor and a worship leader. And every week I cleaned toilets. I vacuumed a youth room. I went to schools and worked with leaders. and I was asked to do things that many people would have said no to. But I decided that I was going to be faithful. And that everything that I did, I was going to do it as good as I could do it. So when I became the worship leader at a bigger church, every week I would go in And I would prep our stage and I would run cables and I would make it so our musicians only had to come in and plug in. And and I would do everything behind the scenes that nobody would see so that all our volunteers had to do was come in and serve. Because I was going to be faithful in the little things, the things that nobody saw. See, a lot of times we look at success and we go, "Well, it just happened overnight? Success never happens overnight. It always begins with the little thing. It always begins with the little things. And I think that this is so important for us to know that our simple response to the word of God will unlock our hidden, untapped potential. It will. As God speaks to you and you start to go, okay, God, you want me to send that card? I'll send the card. And the next time God's going to say, hey, I want you to call this friend and you say, I'm scared, God, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't know what I'm going to say. And then later, God starts saying, well, you're being faithful. So there's a friend, and he needs somebody to be there on this day, and I'm going to speak to you. And you go, okay, God, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but I'm going to go. I'm going to listen to you. And finally, after a while, God goes, I can trust you. I've worked to get this person to this moment, and I need somebody to be there. At the right moment, I'm going to send you. Faithful in the little things. Look at this out of Proverbs 4. I think this is so important for us. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen to my words, for they bring life to those who find them and healing for their whole body. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them. Life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Think about that with me. That when we seek the word of God, what does the Bible tell us that happens to us? It brings life to us. That God, as you respond to his voice, begins to bring alive inside of you a life that transcends this life, that is bigger than this life, than that you could ever have imagined. I believe that if you would just kind of make up in your mind, I'm, I'm going to constantly respond to God. God, whatever you invite me into, I'm going to say yes. That in three years from now, you'll look back and say, I could have never imagined where you would take me. Because you have given life to something I didn't even know existed in me. But you know what's sad? That the inverse is true too. Look at this, Proverbs 28 verse nine. God has no use for the prayers of people who won't listen to him. Some of y'all have been saying, I have no idea why my relationship with God has grown stale. I feel like God's just a million miles away right now. I don't understand it. It used to feel like he was so close to me and now it just feels like he's so far away. And I just really, I want, I want that intimacy and I want that desire. I want it back, but it's just not there now. And that staleness and coldness that has crept in is all connected to the fact that you haven't been obedient in the little things. And so God has backed up and maybe even be playing on the other team right now. So I believe that right now, there's some of us that are in the room that this is the time, this is the time right now that we're gonna make that commitment and we're gonna say, God, I'm tired of running I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to submit to you. Take me and lead me. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.